common sense. Now, one might argue that given the spiritual and social climate in America today, that common sense, well, at least the common part, no longer exists. Now, if that's true, then we parents should no longer expect our kids to know what common sense actually is, much less possess it, without our first teaching it to them intentionally. And I might add, demonstrating it to them daily in our own lives. If our schools, our society, and even we ourselves are buying into the irrationale that one can't conclusively determine the difference between a male and female, and that criticizing anarchy is politically incorrect, how can we expect our kids to learn anything at all about common sense? And how can we expect to be their teachers? We'll explore that next on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program for teens in crisis and for their families. Our goal on this program is to take what we learn inside the gates of Shepherds Hill and bring it out to you so you can be a more informed and intentional parent and, well, we hope, avoid the need for residential care. Uh, today's program is coming to you from three separate locations, each way more than six feet apart, so to the best of our knowledge, we are COVID-free today. Uh, Trace, great to be back with you again, even virtually, and certainly in a society where there seems to be no more transcendent truth or traditional beliefs that uh, trump our mere opinions. How do you think we can come to any objective truth about common sense? And and not just for raising our kids, but for living lives ourselves and, and teaching our kids how to live theirs. Well, Rich, first of all, I think it's a shame and an embarrassment that this discussion even needs to take place to begin with. Uh, you know, for three decades, I've been crying from the rooftops that uh, uh, this stuff was going to happen if we didn't start understanding what postmodern thought was doing to us and if we didn't get a hold on it. Uh, you can't destroy the foundations of morality, humanity itself, or even language, and then expect to perpetuate a civil society. And you can't start redefining myriad terms to create your own reality out of your own warped and subjective feelings and emotions and ideas. So, of course, you know, there, there can be no common sense when... Postmodern thought has become the accepted default worldview for a, a people who now control our nation's infrastructure and a citizenry who will allow them to do it. And common sense can't exist when every individual on the planet gets to define one or redefine the word common and to uh, define or redefine the word sense. Of course, we, we used to have dictionaries that settled the issue and Definitions of terms like these and other terms like right and wrong, good and evil, uh, or even male and female, for crying out loud. Well, just uh, to jump in here for a moment, postmodern thought is not new. That kind of thinking has been around since, well, since the beginning of time, I suppose. Well, that's true. But what's brand new to America is the logical end or the outworking of postmodern thought. You know, Psalm 11.3 says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 12, 8 says this, The wicked freely strut about when what's vile is honored among men. Sounds like today's news. Mm. Uh, yet for, for you and me and, and many of our listeners, it makes no common sense. Common sense comes from a united understanding and acceptance of what prudent behavior actually is. Oh, wait, <laughs> that depends on what the meaning of is, is. I mean, our society's moral standards have always come from the Bible until about half a century ago. But now I realize I've complicated things again because I brought in two more terms into the equation that you know, can also be misinterpreted. 
because of the hypersubjectivity of postmodern thought, terms like prudence and moral standards. Because right. even these terms have to be universally accepted before we can ever know what's common. So mm. do you see how the subjectivity of today's postmodern and relativistic thinker keeps a circular and chaotic argument going that's virtually impossible to make any headway with? And now you add a digitally induced narcissism and entitlement into the equation. And you've got an impenetrable and delusional human fortress of young adults who've accidentally ended up on third base living under the delusion they've just hit a triple. All right. This is why so many parents are just pulling their hair out, having to deal with their kids with this kind of thought process today or lack of thought process. It was bad enough before the digital age because parents have always struggled to reason with their teenagers. I mean, they acquire these adult bodies, but many are still a decade or more removed from having the executive functioning in the brains fully developed. But now add narcissism and entitlement into the equation, two things that the digital world has cultivated uh, in those underdeveloped brains, add to that an entire childhood of being glued to screens and keyboards to help stunt the critical, constructive, and creative thinking capacities of those undeveloped brains, and now parents have really got a challenge in front of them. Uh, they can give Junior their best arguments for why this, that, or the other thing is good or bad. And by the way, two other terms that have been redefined, good and bad. And Junior gives them that deer in the headlights stare and says, well, Mom, that's just your opinion. Dad, that's just your opinion. Everything is about feelings. Feelings are the determining factor for what actually right and wrong and good and evil are in their, in their minds. Uh, thank you, pop psychology, for that. But facts don't care about your feelings, Rich. So as I said, parents can give Junior their best arguments for making their point. They can have all the reason and logic in the world on their side. They can film it. They can put on hand puppets and act it out for them. These kids aren't getting it. And the fact that they were never made to get it at a young age hasn't helped either. Hopefully today's guests will help bring some wisdom and some common sense into the equation. Well, I, I know for a fact that he will. Uh, today's guest is what we like to call a repeat offender on Licensed to Parent. In other words, he's been a guest regularly in the past. He's also a man who's been a friend of this ministry for many years, Trace, and as you well know, uh, shares your feelings about uh, the way culture is headed and, and the... Uh, the unfortunate effects that the digital technology is having on it all. John Roseman is an American columnist. He's a public speaker and author on parenting. His weekly parenting column is syndicated in about 225 newspapers. He's also authored some 15 books on the subject of parenting. John is a strong advocate for authority in the home and discipline in the home and recognizes, if I can quote the title of one of his books, that Grandma was right all along. Uh, John hosted the nationally syndicated program Because I Said So on American Family Radio up until 2018. He is well known for his sound advice, his humor, and relaxed style, and quick to remind folks that his real qualifications uh, for, for being a parenting expert is that he's been married to the same woman for over 40 years, is the father of two successful adults, and the grandfather, I think he outpaces us here, Trace, of seven well-behaved grandchildren. Awesome. So good to talk with you again, John. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Yeah, well, thank you for inviting me back. I've, I've uh, got to update my biography. My wife and I just celebrated our 52nd wedding anniversary. Wow. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, we, yeah we, we've defied the, uh, the odds <laughs> uh, for my generation anyway. That's and awesome. uh, I was listening to, uh, to Rich and and he said that relativism is nothing new, that it's uh, been there since the beginning. And indeed, 
uh, I believe that a proper reading of Genesis chapter 3 reveals that relativism began in the garden. It began when the serpent said to Eve that she, by eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, could become like a god, that she could define good and evil for herself. And uh, the uh, that's been culture's struggle uh, ever since. Yeah. And relativism broke out of its uh, the boundaries, the fence that uh, Christianity, Judaism, and uh, cultures that were wedded to that tradition and that worldview. Uh, had built around it in the 1960s, mm-hmm, right? And I'm, you know, I, I'm very well aware of this because I was a radical, a campus radical in the late 60s, uh, campus organizer, and uh, also a licensed member of the profession that has become the postmodern religion, and that is psychology, which has, uh, you know, and one of the reasons that uh, that uh, I'm regarded as such a controversial figure is because, A, I am a psychologist by license, and B, uh, I, uh, I go around the country and take every opportunity provided to explain to people that if we had never listened to people like me, certainly an ironic thing for me to be saying, <laughs> that and, and continued to listen when it came to the raising of children to our elders uh, who did nothing to, uh, to carry forward the theme of the show, who did nothing but pass along common sense uh, to young parents, uh, and get them on the right road in so doing, that we would not be having the problems that we are having today with uh, with the raising of kids. Amen. Well, John, the truth is, if I got your story right, uh, you're not the same person. You were born again, and uh, your eyes were open to uh, objective, transcendent truth. And uh, I think that, that may be the, the, the greatest difference. Um, about 20 years ago, uh, so this was still a good 30-plus years after postmodern thought had, had really begun to take a deep root in, in, in America, I had a staff member make a mistake that I would have considered a simple matter of common sense. Uh, it wasn't a moral mistake, uh, but one that would uh, you know, be more on par with you know, coming in out of the rain. Uh, when I said, Bob, that, that's just common sense, his answer woke me up, and this, again, this is 20 years ago, woke me up to where we were really heading as a people in America Uh, And this was a good Christian young man. And being totally serious, this guy tells me, well, Tracy, you're assuming that this issue is common sense or that common sense even exists. Now, how should a parent reply to a kid who gives his mom that answer when she tells him that the act of making his bed or picking up his room is just common sense? Well, you know... um The Bible says that there are things written on our hearts, and there are truths written on our hearts. And I maintain that that is the Bible's definition of common sense, that we all have those truths written on our hearts. However, 
that has to be awakened in a child. And the only way it can be awakened uh, is through proper instruction and biblical truth. Um, You need to use, as a parent, the Bible as your template for moral instruction. That is Mm -hmm. the only credible uh, source of morality and proper thinking and a proper worldview. Well, it's transcended generations, thousands of years of generations to prove or give overwhelming evidence that this thing is right and good for the welfare of the masses, not just the individual. God's first instruction to parents is found in Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 6 and 7, uh, translates to uh, telling parents that their primary obligation is to instill in children a proper worldview. And the only proper worldview is a biblical worldview. And uh, one of the things that we've um, inherited uh, from the psychological parenting revolution that took place in the late 60s and early 70s and, and swept America uh, is the idea that uh, children need high self-esteem oh, and boy. that the way to help a child acquire high self-esteem is to construct experiences for the child in which he experiences success. So today's parents are trying to uh, create accomplishment experiences for their children. They value the accomplishments of their children more than they value the character of their children. That's right. And I keep telling parents, look, if if you instruct your children in the fundamentals of proper character, the fundamentals of proper morality, the fundamentals of proper thinking... And proper thinking requires to amplify uh, something you said, Trace, uh, requires emotional control. Um, If you accomplish that as a parent, then everything else will follow uh, in its wake. Uh, Your child will do his best. Uh, he, he, He will put forth great effort at anything he does. No one knows anyone of sterling character whose life is a mess. It's a contradiction of terms. And if you want your child's life to be a good life, then teach biblical principle to your child from as early as your child is capable of understanding it. And and that's before they can talk. I, I want to jump in here real quick because, well, first of all, we need to take a break. But you two have just landed on something that I think is a very important message for our parents to take away from this. And and that is the difference between equipping our kids to succeed in life as opposed to stacking the deck so that they will succeed in life. I want us to talk more about that when we come back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. Our host is Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosal. And today's guest is John Roseman, best-selling parenting author and speaker, author of the book, Parenting by the Book. We'll have more conversation with John in just a moment. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. 
For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Helpmytroubledteen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on, Is My Teen Troubled? Help My Troubled Teen. Welcome back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis and by extension with their families. And as we've said before, our purpose on this program is to Bring the knowledge and information that we've gleaned from inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill and uh, deliver it to you now so that you could be more intentional in your parenting and avoid the need for residential care for your kids. Our guest on today's program is John Roseman, a best-selling parenting author. In fact, I just mentioned the name of one of his books, Parenting by the Book. You'll find that and many more of his books and resources on his website, rosemond.com and that's r-o-s-e-m-o-n-d.com and back to the conversation we were just having before the break i i brought up this concept that that the two of you touched on which was to equip our kids to succeed without stacking the deck for them to succeed and i think i think we're far too guilty of stacking the deck trying to get everything right so as you said john it'll all turn out great and everybody will do well and as a matter of fact um if you take these certain courses, you're guaranteed to get straight A's. But, uh, Trace, you often like to talk about the fact that, you know, we have no character because basically we've never had to suffer. We, we've That's never right. had to, to have the iron sharpening iron. We've never had to, to have the stress to do this. Uh, put this back together for us. How, how do we as parents, therefore, turn it around so that our kids are being equipped for success as opposed to being set up to succeed? Well, it's an interesting question, and it relates to the concept of emotional resilience, which we now know is the centerpiece of good mental health. And emotional resilience is the simply stated, but accurately stated, is the ability to withstand disappointment, um, loss, uh, failure, and so on. 
And uh, unfortunately, today's parents are trying to protect their children from the very things that uh, that make for a resilient uh, life, a person who is able to withstand what reality is going to throw at him, what Shakespeare called the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. You, I, it doesn't matter how much work parents do. In the final analysis, you cannot protect your child from reality. It's reality, and it has to be learned. A child needs to learn how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, uh, the old way of parenting, the pre-1960s way of parenting, the pre-psychological way, uh, was uh, replete with adages that uh, expressed and reflected this principle, one of which was, and I heard it from my parents, the two of you heard it from yours, uh, you made this bed, you're going to lie in it. Right. In other words, right. you, you have to learn to accept the consequences of the decisions you've made. Uh, another was, I knew if I gave you a long enough rope, you'd hang yourself. Um, to, the, the parent of old, uh, instead of trying to protect their child from disappointment, failure, loss, frustration, et cetera, et cetera, made sure their children experienced that in controllable doses and uh, therefore was emancipated as a person who could deal uh, in a realistic way with reality, in a capable way with reality. And today's parents, I mean, this is why Child mental health has plummeted since we began listening to people in my profession. Oh, it's been crazy. And they cannot manufacture, America's university graduate schools cannot manufacture enough therapists to handle the child mental health crisis that has uh, resulted from psychological ad- parenting advice. Um, we, we need to, we need to understand that the Bible is not just a book that contains, uh, a moral code. It contains a parenting code. It, uh, it is replete with advice on how to raise kids. Mm-hmm. Even, even verses like, uh, Jesus responding to, um, the, uh, the lawyer and telling him that the second commandment is uh, is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. That's got great parenting implication. Uh, and, and people ought to understand this, that even verses in the Bible that don't explicitly mention parents or children, parental responsibilities, are pertinent to the raising of children. So, for example, love your neighbor as yourself simply means uh, in one sense, anyway, that you don't inflict an ill-behaved child on society. Uh, specifically, you know, to take an example, you don't take an ill-behaved child of whatever age into a fine dining restaurant because that displays disrespect of the fact that other people have come to the restaurant for its environment and for its food and for its service. And you don't disrupt the dining experience of those people by bringing an ill-behaved child into that environment. 
<laughs> I totally agree with that. Uh, but I think the church has got to take the lead in this area because you go to many churches and you got kids climbing over the pews or running up and down the aisles or they're making noise. The response that parents, uh, their lack of response, uh, to your point, is they're not really caring uh, about the other people who are trying to get something out of the service. And so I don't think a lot of pastors are talking about this because, again, you talk about someone's kid and you are really uh, opening yourself up for some fiery darts to come your way. Well, when I was growing up, my parents told me, uh, don't engage in conversations with people about religion or politics. Mm -hmm. And I believe that uh, that list has expanded from two to three. Uh, You don't talk to people about religion, politics, or the manner in which they are raising their children. Uh, We have splintered as a culture uh, when it comes to the raising of kids, and this is a huge problem. We used to have unanimity. We used to have consensus. Husband and wife agreed. Uh, Your parents and your friends' parents agreed. Your parents and your teachers agreed on fundamental issues pertaining to children, how they should be educated, how they should be raised, how they should be disciplined, how they should be taught. And today we don't have this consensus. And so we have argument between mother and father. We have argument between neighbors. We have distrust between neighbors. We have uh, a lack of support on the part of parents uh, for teachers who attempt to discipline in the classroom, which is why uh, discipline uh, by the teacher has become basically forbidden by public school systems. Um, It's a means of maintaining the peace, this fragile peace that has to be maintained. And so the child goes into church and he starts climbing over the backs of pews and running around through church, and and no one says anything because to say anything uh, risks a a conflict between parent and parent or parent and some other adult or the parent and the pastor and so on and so forth. And so everybody's, you know, sort of tiptoeing through the tulips of parenting these days (laughs) in America. John, we really do need to continue this conversation. If you've got time, would you be willing to come back uh, for a second broadcast? Well, if you pay me enough, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I will. He, uh, he more than I've already paid you. <laughs> he's he's very clear and straightforward. There is no misunderstanding what John Roseman is is talking about here. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been John Roseman. He's the author of numerous parenting books, including Parenting by the Book. That's available on his website at rosemond.com. That's R O S E M O N D rosemond.com. And as always, you'll find us online as well at LicensedToParent.org. That's where you can hear past conversations on a variety of topics that are related to raising healthy kids in a postmodern, post-Christian, and digitally saturated culture. You can check out our parenting blog, learn more about the organization uh, that we serve, Shepherd's Hill Academy, which is a year-long residential program for teens located just north of Atlanta, Georgia. And by the way, while you're on our site, would you consider becoming one of our ministry partners? Your financial support and your prayer support can help more than we could possibly say. It'll help further the work that we do with troubled teens. 
and help the outreach of licensed to parent, uh, both to moms and dads working hard to keep their kids from becoming troubled teens. You can give securely when you visit our website and click on the donate button. That's at the top of the page at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, hoping you'll tell a friend about the program and then join us once again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.